the vets. And of course, um, um, I was a bit of the driver in that because I just happened to, that's something that I really care about. And there was, there was certainly no arm twisting. Everybody wanted to do it. Oh yeah. And that set the precedent that we were going to now do things for veterans. That's fantastic. And, and you know, the wine's not bad either. No. BR, no. BR Cone Wine is... Hi there and welcome in to a brand new week of Celebrity Salute. Dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Jeffrey Allen Skunk Baxter is an American guitarist and musician. He was one of the founders of Steely Dan, played 30 years with the Doobie Brothers during the 70s, and Spirit in the 1980s, and more recently has worked as a defense consultant and advised U.S. members of Congress on missile defense. Incredible. Skunk Baxter joins us here on Celebrity Salute. Probably the most famous musician you didn't know you knew. Because (laughs) (laughs) this guy has been everywhere. Jeff Skunk Baxter joins us. Skunk, how are you? I'm doing fine, Randy. How are you? Hey, before we get into your background and your incredible career, why Skunk? How did that get started? That'll be in my book. (laughs) That's classified, BBR. Right. (laughs) Classified. That's going to be it. So it's a, is it a scratch and sniff book? I mean, can we tell from the cover? <laughs> That's a good name? idea. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So, man, this this is incredible. So you started Steely Dan, right? Uh, you were the one, one of the original members. founders of Steely Dan and played just about every album with the Doobie Brothers. It was your... Well, su- now, to, now to be, you know, to be, you know, got to keep the record straight. That sure. I was the first album... As a studio musician, I played on most of their records. That's true. Uh, but and as a band member, I think I started with Stampede. Great album. But uh, And then on through for, yeah, until uh, through minute by minute. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was your idea, I guess, for Michael McDonald to join the band? That's correct. Good idea. Well, sometimes you got to make a command decision, right? And uh, <laughs> luckily this worked out. Yeah, I'd say it worked out pretty well. When Steely Dan got started, can you take us back to that and kind of walk us through how that started? Well, um, you know, to go back to the Cretaceous era, right? Right. The uh, I was doing some sessions in Boston, commuting back and forth from Boston to New York. I was living in Boston, doing you know as a session musician, and I was doing a session at Intermediate Sound in uh, Boston and Gary Katz, who eventually became the producer for uh, Steely Dan was producing an album for a band called the B game, which eventually the drummer from the B game, I recommended to be in Steely Dan. And that was uh, Jimmy Hodder. So he was producing them and I was doing something else. And I guess Gary walked into the studio and heard me play. And he said, listen, I'm doing a project in New York with a, a lady named Linda Hoover. And the songwriters are two guys named Walter Becker and Donald Fagan. Could you come down to New York and and work on the project? I said, yeah, sure. She booked it, got on a train, went down, did it. And after it was over, finished it. 
I said, well, you know, this, this material is incredible. I haven't heard anything like this. And they said, well, we really never heard anybody play guitar like you do. So um, whoever passes go calls the rest of us and we'll try to think about forming a band. <laughs> so sometime later, um, I was moving to Los Angeles anyway uh, to do a bunch of work, um, some session work and also guitar repair and um um and they got a deal walter becker and donald fagan got a publishing deal at abc dunhill and so they called me and said we just passed go um <laughs> we think we can do this so we got together put together a band and brought jimmy hotter and um dave palmer in to sing lead they brought denny ds to play guitar as well and so we were rehearsing president office of the record company, Jay Lasker. And of course we'd rehearse at night and then we'd clean up our mess. And then, you know, Jay supposedly was none the wiser, except one day we didn't quite get there in time to clean up. And, uh, he said, what the hell is this? We, and Gary Katz, who was now, um, at ABC records said, well, I have this band. And Jay said, okay, let me hear it. And we played a couple of tunes and he said, I'll sign it. Wow. Wow. Kind of how it got started, you know. On the spot. <laughs> wow. Pretty, pretty much. That's, uh, that's incredible. And, and the original name of the band was going to be Big Nardo in the eighth grade? Well, that was one of the names we were looking at, but we decided, <laughs> you know, we all talked about it, said it's not going to fit on an album cover. Right. So, <laughs> so somebody came up with the name Steely Dan, which is kind of interesting because we're all East Coast guys. You know, we all went to college on the East Coast. I went to prep school and we all read. There was a time when there was a, a plethora of authors like Henry Miller and, and William Burroughs sure. and people like that who were writing. You know, Lawrence Ferlinghetti was, you know, sort of at the forefront of the uh, New Age poetry, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. So I, I knew what a Steely Dan was because I'd read Naked Lunch by William Burroughs. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I said, sure, it works for me. That's fine. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And, of course, that led into your time with the Doobie Brothers. And I had, I, I've seen the Doobie Brothers, and, well, and Steely Dan so many times. But the, the best I ever saw the Doobie Brothers, the best venue was out at Bruce Cohn's Vineyard in Sonoma. Oh. And I guess they do an annual thing, and it's uh, to raise money for veterans. And they put together a show. Man, I mean, it was just fantastic. And they'll have, you know, have you ever been a part of that deal? Not that one, but the original one that we did at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. Shad Mishad, uh, that was the first time ever with the vets. And, of course... Um, um, I was a bit of the driver in that because I just happened to, that's something that I really care about. And there was, there was certainly no arm twisting. Everybody wanted to do it. Oh yeah. And that set the precedent that we were going to now do things for veterans. That's fantastic. And, and you know, the wine's not bad either. No. BR, no. BR Cone wine is, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm not an expert, but man, that's, that's some good wine, and it's a—it's just such a beautiful place. I know Bruce corrected me 
when I first met him out there. And because I, I really don't know where I am in the world most of the time. And I said, so, man, this is this is the best wine in Napa. And he goes, you know what? Napa's where they make car parts. This is Sonoma where we make wine. <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. I mean, the Doobie, you know, all of these, you know, Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers, what a pleasure this must have been uh, for all of you, but, and especially to connect with a, a guitarist like you are. I mean, this was just, you got to be always working, right? I mean, always working. And to work for so long as a studio guy and a sessions guy, and now to have your own album that you finally, I, I don't know, did somebody twist your arm and say, you, you got to do an album? Because uh, it, I mean, it took you a while. It did. And nobody twisted my arm. As a matter of fact, the whole idea was to sort of let it, like a fine wine, let it, you know, take its time. And actually the first track that we turned in to the record company when we, when we finished the record was dated 1989. So <laughs> myself and my and my music partner, CJ Vanston, um, on this project, we had been doing this for a while. And then we kind of put our heads down and decided to really, you know, concentrate on it and pass like three years. But yeah, it took a while. Because again, there's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. Oh, you you can hear the work. It's called Speed of Heat. And I've been listening to it all day. And man, I, I got to tell you, it's it's some of the best music I've heard. And you got some of your buddies on there, Michael McDonald, Clint Black, Johnny Lang, Rick Livingstone. And the song with Michael McDonald, My Place in the Sun. Okay, that's my favorite song right now. I haven't heard the entire album. But man, what that's a what a great track. And you and you guys wrote all these too, right? Yeah, the uh, the idea. Well, CJ and I were writing the instrumentals together, except for like Apache and you know uh, the Rose, which is a a sort of a ode to pedal sure. steel. But the idea was that if you want to play on the record, you have to number one write with myself and CJ, and number two be willing to step way outside your wheelbox, totally something that you've never done before. And the Clint Black song yeah. is definitely a when he walked in the studio and Clint and I've been friends for a million years and, and he's a big Steely Dan fan. So when he walked in and, and he started to play that riff that starts the record, we said, okay, that's the song. <laughs> let's, let's, let's take that and use that as our sort of anchor and work around that. And it had nothing to do with any kind of country music. Oh, it I, was just right off the top of his head. I, had, I did country radio for 25 years and interviewed Clint many times. I would never have identified that as Clint Black. No, I don't. Wow. So that was the idea. And the same with Michael. Okay, we're going to do something that is very different than you've ever done. And are you up for that? If not, it's okay. You know, we'll thank you and we'll get together another time. But if you are. That's what we're going to pursue. The same with Johnny Lang. I mean, here's a sort of a bluesy hopping little tune, and all of a sudden it turns into this heavy metal, insane <laughs> rocker. Uh, but that's the idea. You know, let let your creativity give it the brain that it needs. You know, don't 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 restrict it. And 
I think we did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And I want to ask you about this is kind of a weird question, but so you've you know you've been this studio musician for such a long time, and and you've also worked with people like Barbara Streisand and Dolly Parton, Rod Stewart, uh, Ringo Starr, Carly Simon, Glenn Campbell. I mean, just a huge list. When you went to get your own record deal, and this comes out on on BG, right? A uh, BMG Renew. Yeah, yeah. and so. Was that a cakewalk? I mean, I, I would think it would be. Well, you know, I'm, I wish I could be more detailed. Um, my manager, Mike Gormley, who I'd known for years and years and years, we, uh, we were getting to the point where the album was ready to go, and I thought, well, I probably need a manager. <laughs> so I was at the NAMM show a couple of years ago, the big musical instrument convention out here. And I'm walking down the hallway in the Hilton, and I hadn't seen Mike for some years, but I always liked him and I always trusted him and I thought he was a good guy. So I'm walking down the hallway and he says, Hey, Skunk, how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I said, Well, things are looking pretty good. What are you up to? I said, Well, I'm just finishing up the solo. Album. You want to be my manager? He said, Yep. I said, Okay, I'll see you downstairs <laughs> for lunch. You got him again. You, you know, he's kind of got to go with it. Immediately, he made a call, and was it? Wow, <laughs> you know, and and I know just enough about the record business to know that what you did yesterday means nothing today. Absolutely, and so that's Absolutely. why that's why I asked the question. I mean, you, you know, you've enabled a, a lot of record companies to make millions and millions of dollars, and and you know, I just wondered if that was a fight to to find one, but that's, that's cool. That's, I'm, I'm, I don't think so. He said he called David Herschelin, who was the president of uh, renew and said, he, you know, what do you think? And he said, let's do it. It's like, <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. You worked with Joni Mitchell. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Man, that's some strong company. Oh, she's wonderful. Yeah. She's wonderful. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember one, one time I, I used to, Joni and I used to go out and have lunch together once in a while. And she, uh, we were out to lunch and I brought Slim Jim Phantom, the drummer from the Stray Cats, who's a good friend. His son is my godson, TJ. Oh, and wow. TJ was about eight years old. And so we all go out to lunch. I bring TJ with me. And afterwards, TJ looks up at me and says, she is huge, beautiful. <laughs> and I thought somebody ought to write a lyric around that's you know, from from the mouths of young kids. You know that's beautiful. Wow, huge, beautiful. Wow. Never... So every time I hear Joni's name, I always think of TJ looking up at me, going, "Wow, she's just <laughs> huge, beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> Anybody on that list you wouldn't want to work with again? Uh, n- no, not really, because my job is to dark steel or dobro or acoustic or whatever it happens to be um and they're calling me because they expect me uh, to provide a certain level of expertise and capability and that's my job yeah there's been some crazy sessions you yeah, yeah absolutely sure but that's you know the point you know what are the marines say the difficult we do immediately the impossible takes just a little <laughs> right, bit longer right um that's yeah and if you're a professional, you go in there and you do the job. That's cool. His new album, Speed of Heat, it's available now, right? Is it available now? 
I think it's the release date is June 17. You can download uh, three of the tracks, I think, Spotify and Apple under Skunk Baxter, but the, the CD comes out on the 17th, and then the vinyl, double vinyl album comes out in September. Oh, that's cool. You're doing the vinyl. That's great. But the studio work thing, listen, to me, that's more important. If I had a choice, if I could only do one thing, rock star studio musician by far i'd rather go with the studio musician part of it because to me it's it's in a sense like being top gun that you yeah. th- that that's what it is uh, last night i was in the producers workshop the grammys they were putting together some uh something for uh iron mountain new, a new facility down there and uh the head of uh village recorders where i used to have a studio they were doing a and he saw me come up and said, and I just want to tell you that Skunk here, we were doing some movie soundtrack in another studio. And he walked by. And I said, we need a guitar player. So I walked in. And I said, yeah, what's up? He said, well, we got this really complicated music score. Uh, and, and I said, well, listen, I got a session in 10 minutes. So just play it. So I never heard it, played it, did it. And they said, hey. And I said, I got to go now. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and they were happy with it. So they, again, to me, what's most important, pride in your work, enough confidence to know you can take on any situation and make it right and make it work. Well, you know, when I listen to Speed of Heat, I think this is kind of a musician's album. I mean, this is I can hear top musicians, artists, guitarists, you know, listening to this and and really appreciating, you know, oh, thank you. your your talent you. and and your artistry. I mean, it just has that that feel, kind. feel to it. Well, you talked about that job. Now, you would think that anybody with that much going on, skunk, would you know would have enough going on. <laughs> but you've also been a contractor for the Department of Defense for years and years and years, right? For how many years? Well, well, years and years. Yeah, yeah. I started around 93, I think. 92, 93. That is all. How did that come about? Yes. Um, well, I was, you know, reading a lot of the defense magazines because the the cutting-edge technology around the late 80s and early 90s was really coming out of the defense department, especially in the world of digital you know, digital technologies, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And so one day I just got this idea. Um, I wonder, I'd, I'd read an article and a friend of mine who was a senior aviation editor for James Defense Weekly had sent me something about the ability for an S-band radar to track the space shuttle. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting because I knew that the S-band uh, radar was the core basis for the Aegis weapon system that uh, the Navy was using for uh, fleet air defense. And so I went over to a buddy of mine at, at uh, JPL, Caltech, uh, who is a steel player, and can you uh, do some math for me? So he, I, I gave him some stuff. He did the math. He called me back about a week later and said, what are you up to? I said, well, tell me what you got. And he said, well, it looks it looks like what you're trying to do is figure out a way 
to use an S-band radar to track a very small object. I said, you got it. Is it doable? He said, absolutely. Here's the map. So, okay, I wrote a paper. My dad always said, you got an idea, you write it down. So I wrote a paper on it, gave it to a congressman buddy of mine that I've been doing a lot of work with. He gave it to the vice chairman of the Armed Services, House Armed Services Committee, who called congressman back, called Dana back and said, hey, what is this guy like from Lockheed or Raytheon or something? He said, no, the guitar player for the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> and so I got a call from Kurt Weldon, vice chairman, and said, would you be willing to uh, come on board the Armed Services Committee? And chair will, you know, will create this uh, position, but we, we're going to classify the paper and then we want you to come and work for us. So that's kind of how it all got started. That's, that's incredible. So you're not only are you this incredible musician, you're also a nerd. Oh, I'm a techno freak. Well, yeah. every guitar player is. Yeah. Come on, man. We're all gearheads, you know, gear slugs. <laughs> Love and, it. And, and let's face it. I mean, a radar is just an electric guitar on steroids. <laughs> you understand the physics of all this stuff is really, you know, it's not, it's not difficult if you understand. And there are other folks. I mean, Brian May, guitar player from Queen, got sure. his PhD in astrophysics. Um, Paul Reed Smith came to me with an idea that I turned over to the U.S. Navy. And now he has a company that does a bunch of work. So there's some smart folks. I mean, Henny Lamar. Came up with the idea for the frequency hopping radio. Her oh, husband yeah. was a physicist, but she came up with the idea because the Brits were trying to figure out a way to radio control torpedoes. So yeah, it's not you know completely out of the, out of the ordinary. <laughs> and you got to figure that creative minds do what yeah. they do. You know? Right, right, right. Well, well, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, that's probably something you brought to DoD that they had nobody like you, nobody thinking like you. And, you know, those kind of things come about. And, and when they happen like that, it's a it's just a huge win for everybody. What a fascinating career in life. And there's some, com- well, there's some common threads, too. John Boyd, who created the OODA loop, Observe, Op- um, Orient, Decide, and Act. Yeah. He wrote about destruction, analysis, and synthesis, the idea of breaking a problem down and putting it together in a different way. That's what musicians do. Yeah, uh, you're right. Learn to improvise. Yeah. So the next thing I knew, I was writing papers and doing work on teaching jazz improvisation as an analytical framework for intelligence analysis. <laughs> and it's just not that far. When you sit down and you think about it, it's just, you know, on the surface, it sounds weird, but it's not. No, I can I can see that. I can see that as a as a common thread. And, you know, I mean, you look back through history, Benjamin Franklin. I, I mean, there's so many people who did so many things that you wouldn't expect of them. And, you know, that's what's that's what's cool. Well, Skunk, it has been a pleasure, man. It's just been great talking to you and uh, best of luck. You don't need it, but best of luck on this great album. It's just inc- it's incredible. Luck is a good thing, you know. Speed of heat. Yeah. Speed of heat. And uh, it's funny, the, uh, I got a call from a buddy of mine at Northrop. Um, and actually, a, a buddy of a colleague of mine, because I used to work at Northrop, who said, ah, I saw the equations on the, on the album cover. It says, that's, uh, that's oblong pressure waves. And I said, yep, speed of heat. When you 
when a, <laughs> a body moves through the atmosphere and begins to uh, approach Mach 1. And that's called the speed of heat. So somebody got it, which was good. You're way too smart for this show. I could tell you that. Don't be silly, man. Don't be <laughs> silly. I really, really, really appreciate it. Scott, great to meet you, man. And uh, listen, come back anytime. Well, I, I will. And thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You've been listening to Celebrity Salute. Celebrity Salute is produced by Brainstorm Media and distributed by National Defense Network with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us at nationaldefensenetwork.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also say, Alexa, play the National Defense Network podcast.